I do have a question. Why does Wallace have an additional bedroom? And I feel like I want to be the guy that like creates this random like lore where it's like Wallace had a kid for a long time and then he died and that room wow. was just never used. I mean, think about it though. There's no. Why does he have that additional room that is never used? I Maybe mean, he had a low sperm count because he always wore the wrong trousers. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the All Bad Takes podcast, a podcast where four film-loving friends, uh, comrades, if you will, chums, uh, chaps, I don't know what other kinds of English uh, friend words there are, but uh, bruvs, I don't know, I'm being, am I being offensive? Uh, we get together and we talk about, yeah, mates, yeah, some of my mates talk about a, a selected film for... A given month, and uh, I'm your puppet master for this episode, Brian Stevenson. And I guess we'll talk about what we're what we watched for this episode after we get through introducing ourselves. Uh, so with me, I have uh, in my part, of, you know, my my, my chums, uh, Nathan Ludal. How are you, Nathan? Cheese, Brian. I could use some cheese. Top of the morning to you as well. Uh, with me, I also have Delane Cunningham. Hello, Delane. How are you? Hello, Gromit. I'm quite well. <laughs> Sorry to the British people that I know. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and also, last, definitely not least, uh, that we know of is Josh <laughs> Ryerson. Uh, yeah, what's up? Uh, I want you to do all of that over again, Brian, but in a British accent. Nice coming this... to the bit, huh? <laughs> This is uh, my British accent. Uh, I just uh, very authentic. Have I was I was born there and then immediately flew uh, to the Pacific Northwest, where I learned to talk like this. Uh, I'm more <laughs> British on paper, as some would say. Mm, you write with an wow. accent. Uh, yeah. I well, I mean, does quoting Monty Python throughout sixty percent of eighth grade count as having a British accent? You're one of those kids. Mm. It is something that was definitely one of those. It kids. counts as something. <laughs> Are it, there? It it accounts for something more than it accounts for nothing at all. I guess <laughs> when you put it like that. In middle school, that counts as being cultured. <laughs> That's right, right. I mean, that Monty Python. Any of the films or you know some of the show uh, could have been uh, pretty well served as like a you know. History lessons at times, right? They do a lot of uh, history-based sketches. Eighth grade Ryan is like, yeah, I watch foreign films. And it's just like the Monty <laughs> Python trilogy behind him. Just if you need subtitles, it's a foreign film. Uh, that's not a real take I have. All right. Now, before we get into this Wallace and Gromit conversation, uh, let's talk about what we've been watching. So why don't we start with you, Josh? What have you been watching that, that uh, we want to talk about. Uh, for this past uh, month, it's been kind of not been too active. I saw one movie in theaters, and that was The Creator. Uh, Gareth Edwards is the creator. Uh, 
I love Gareth Edwards. I love his Godzilla movie. I love his sense of scale. Uh, and I am very much like, uh, I feel like I'm more of a stand for him than anything else. And The Creator is definitely a flawed movie, uh, but I heavily enjoyed it. It's uh, it's very good. I recommend everyone to watch it. But uh, there's literally uh, several scenes where I'm like, well, how does that make any sense? And there's <laughs> one where a ba- like a child robot and an adult robot uh, are interacting, and the adult is trying to like comfort the child robot, and he goes, well, let's go get some ice cream. And immediately I'm like, well, how does that work? Uh, you are robots. How do you eat ice cream? And then later on, the robot orders ice cream, and it gets delivered. And I'm like, all right, I feel like we will actually get an answer to what happens here. And then something else diverts the story, and we never get an answer to what like if they eat ice cream or not and that has been plaguing my mind forever <laughs> how do they eat ice cream and if you in the movie the robot has a physical thing of ice cream in a bag and i'm like how does this work um there's other there's other things in the movie that make me laugh uh there's a scene where uh a robot is just like hanging out smoking and then it's like one of those things where like the stoner kind of like like I imagine like a stoner like waking up or something like that because there's like a security breach and the robot's like, oh, oh shit, oh fuck. And it's just like a robot doing that. And it's just so funny to me. It's a very human thing. Uh, but the visual effects were very good. Uh, it's like an $80 million film, which is absolutely insane. Um, yeah, and I recommend all y'all to watch it. Uh, in terms of like Halloweenish stuff, I took a gander at the haunted mansion movie that recently just came to streaming uh and it it, it's fine uh honestly out of nostalgic purposes i think i prefer the eddie murphy one uh but this one had fun moments but yeah not a very active month for me you know for nostalgic purposes i choose to have my favorite one be the unmade guillermo del toro version of haunted mansion that was supposed to star ryan gosling Whoa. Um, I guess that was a thing that was going to happen, and it didn't happen, but I want to kind of believe that it did and tell <laughs> people that that's my favorite. So I'm going to do that. And then it was I'm called an Crimson Peak. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, before its original title, Disney's The Haunted Mansion. Um, Nathan, what have you been watching? So for the past, I'd say... Um, like two weeks, I've been in anticipation for Saw X. I watched the entire series up until nice. Saw X. You saw um, some saws, huh? I did see some saws. And um, if anybody that's like familiar with the series is that the first one is directed by James Wan and is actually pretty good. Yes. Um, pretty grotesque. Mm-hmm. as, like, the rest of the series would be, but it's, like, pretty serviceable plot-wise and, like, just style and everything. Everything after that is pretty bad. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, I think it, it became it became one of those, like, series where you, you knew what you were getting when you went and saw it. You know, it, was, yeah. it wasn't, like... I mean, the plot was there, and it was serviceable, but it wasn't going to blow you away. You were there to watch some gore trips, you know, or whatever. Um, but I... I, I genuinely enjoy these movies i watched them at too young of an age growing up and i saw them all as they were coming out and everything so i i had a good time with it but I, you know by the time i got to like jigsaw and spiral i was like okay i'm kind of tapping out with this one like they're these aren't just bad these are like bad and they're trying to be good and that's like the worst offender like 
especially spiral spiral is just fucking awful interesting i i never that's the only one i haven't seen yet was spiral and i'm curious like what how the quality was but it sounds like not even worth it it's pretty you know they tried to like do something similar to jigsaw but even further they tried to make it like serious which i think is the worst offense you can make for a saw movie and they like took a a more noir approach with it so not only is it like it's bad it's slow and bad which is like the worst thing you could do for like kind of this pulpy series i think it's so crazy how this franchise kind of like is still going especially after what they did with their quote-unquote main character uh it's just interesting like like for john kramer like his Mm -hmm. like what happened with him it's just like interesting how this franchise just keeps going well that's the fascinating thing so come saw x and saw x actually takes place between the second and or uh, actually i think it's supposed to be the new second movie essentially Mm, it's supposed to take place between the first and second movie because i think they realized that they like had to go back because there was nowhere else where the series could go without right. Tobin Bell's character who plays John Kramer. And right. Like, and I'll, I'll just like say outright, this is, it's by far none the best Saw movie. Like it's not even like close, like better than like the first one and everything. Like, really? Actually, yeah. I was like genuinely surprised. So I took a Vita to see it and she'd only seen like the first Saw movie and it'd been years and she came out and really enjoyed it. And I did, too i was they actually realized that the most interesting part about the entire saw franchise is john kramer yes and so making an entire plot line that sympathizes and has john kramer at the forefront of it which really didn't happen throughout the entire saw series was just fascinating and man it freaking works like the traps are still gross as hell like i think i I was a bit even i got a bit squeamish in some of them like some brain matter like showed up and like so yeah it's <laughs> in delayed space i i would pay good money to see be in the same theater as delane to see this movie <laughs> no pillow no pillows to hide from delane you have to watch your saw trap is watching the saw movies it's so true but i would bring my own pillow haha <laughs> take that john kramer <laughs> i was gonna say your saw trap is to not hide behind a pillow and if you do you're forced to watch a saw movie I have, my saw trap is like the clockwork orange thing where they like have his eyes like open um yeah yeah the, it's a no the for me. task is simple watch the saw movies and if you look away you die it's not for me fam i would simply so, die uh what have you not been forced to watch delane that you've watched um through your own decision um i did not watch very much um just been kind of a busy time uh haven't really had a lot of downtime at home um i've been doing a lot of reading which is kind of what i've been highlighting lately because that's just been like what i do have time for um so i have discovered the joy of audiobooks in the last year and have gotten through like a large number of audiobooks like (laughs) um as i go through life and still can enjoy a good story um you know audiobooks are kind of like watching movies except your eyes are closed almost like audi- having a pillow over your head the while movie watching is movie. in my mind yeah well actually it's kind of funny because i have been reading a lot of horror um which i feel like people who might know me are surprised by that like oh you don't like horror films but you enjoy horror novels and it's true i think because with a novel you know even when stuff is really gross or gory like it's not you're not you're not like forced to like look at it. You can kind of like your brain. You can, can stop it for seeing you. what you don't want to see anytime yeah. you want. If yeah. you turn your head away from a movie, 
it's not going to stop the movie from happening. With a exactly. book, you can stop what's happening by looking away. Yeah. Or pushing and, pause. Yeah, I mean, you can, I guess, pause the movie too. But still, your point stands. And yeah, it's just, it, for some reason, it's a lot more palatable for me. And I really enjoy reading, like, spooky horror stuff. Um, I definitely read a lot of, like, indulgent stuff that is, like, just kind of trendy, like, pulpy. And um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Good for spooky season. Um, I, my favorite thing lately is just to, like, I got a Kindle for my birthday, so I got like a couple spooky stories downloaded and I've just been like curled up with my cat and um, a bunch of candles and like having just like a very nice uh, time enjoying the season. So um, yeah, I feel like I, I don't have a very interesting answer this month. I'm sorry, but stay tuned for future months. I will definitely have more yes. to share. <laughs> we will certainly have a future of watching the movies we are assigned for this podcast. For sure, no matter what they are. Um, anyway, but we don't know what our next pick is yet. So how are we gonna? How am I gonna spin I'm that? So to be a joke? I'm so yeah. optimistic of the future. What could go wrong? Stay tuned. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, come I'm next happy... month we will see. I'm um, like Michael Shannon in the Criterion Closet. I'm a I'm a lucky lucky boy. <laughs> Such a lucky boy. Uh, I. Anyway, I feel like such a lucky boy because of the way that I, of my certainty, how certain I am that this is going to be like as close to a definitive version of what my favorite movies are because I've been on a quest for this kind of accuracy for at least 15 years. This is my white whale. This is my life's work. So does that mean you're never so, going to get it? Uh, not if I don't uh, put in the care and the time to doing it. And so what I'm doing is I'm going through every single movie uh, that I have seen on Letterboxd. And I like to think that what I've entered is up, is at least 98, 90%, 99% uh, accurate to everything I've seen. So I made a long list and basically I go through the entire list and instead of making a ranking, out of everything that's in the list, I am selecting one movie each that is my favorite out of the entire bunch and then putting it into a separate list, deleting it from the master list. And the way I've been doing that is by, you know, shuffling, randomizing the list of movies in whatever way I, you know, I choose. And then, I, and then I'm left with like, a bunch of like rows of like seven movies. And then I rank those in order. And then I take like the number one, number eight, number 15, 22, because they're in rows of seven. So whatever's in the top spot on each of those bars, uh, I put that into another list and then I rank those. And whatever is the top selected from that group will obviously be my favorite movie of that greater list. And then as so... I'm basically spotting my favorite movies from a list of 200 plus movies at least 200 times. And I expect to be done with this by about my birthday uh, in March. And so uh, when that happens, uh, I'll kind of share my progress. So uh, I just needed to kind of verbalize that to someone uh, so that I can commit myself to uh, uh, doing that. Instead of committing myself to uh, seek uh, mental help for the amount of time I'm spending on such a personal task 
when I could be spending that time, um, you know, learning a language or uh, reading a book about helping people or um, touching grass. That's what I've been doing. It's something I've been watching. It's not a film, but it's many films I'm watching uh, in poster and title form. So uh, almost the same, except for all of that other stuff, uh, list, so listy stuff. When, when your escapade is finished and you have your list, mm -hmm. are you gonna like ascend to heaven, or are you, like are you gonna nope. are you like a ghost that finally like finally? Nathan like, looks like he wants to speak, and I would rather he didn't. So keep talking, Josh. No, go ahead, Nathan. Well, I was about to say, so, uh, uh, you know, it makes perfect sense that you're making this penultimate <laughs> list because I know what he's doing. You're, you're, you're birth, you are turning 30, am I correct, in March? Um, I will not confirm or deny that, Nathan. Okay, so when I do get a confirmation on that, I remember our... If you do, who you knows? I conf uh, conversation, our deal, that... This is yeah, a, we made we no arrangement. There was no, 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 no. We did not make a deal, Nathan. Don't this tell me that I agreed to any of this. Brian, I feel like you basically are doing a film boy's last will and testament by just like In writing out sense, your favorite films. I do worry about that like a little bit. I know in our Nighthouse episode, I talked about uh, dressing the way I feel like I could be dressing for eternity if I die that day. So maybe it is on my mind, but. And, and maybe I'm trying to avoid it because a lot of the movies that have taken the top like 20 spots are like comedies. <laughs> so I'm like forcing myself to enjoy the things that brought me the most joy. Uh, but this is getting too existential. We got some Wallace and Gromit to talk about. So let's uh, get to that. pick i uh use a really strange system to decide that this month's pick should be uh a wallace and gromit trilogy we have the first three wallace and gromit shorts that existed uh from ardman studios all directed by uh nick park and they are a grand day out the wrong trousers and a close shave i figured we'd start by uh talking about uh a grand day out uh, and this one, Wallace, he's an inventor. You know, he's just this lad, and he's got a dog with no mouth named Gromit. In this one, they go, they build a rocket, and they go to the moon because uh, they're looking for cheese. As one so, does. So, uh, yeah, I mean, can you blame them? You know, I guess, like, you know, anyone kind of, you know, chip in, and if you got something to say about this, re initial reactions, I guess, okay, well, why don't we start with this? Uh... And this can answer. This can be answered to more than just a grand day out, but maybe just on the whole uh, conversation around claymation and stop motion specifically. I'm wondering, because uh, when it was announced that I would be doing Wallace and Gromit, Delane's reaction kind of stuck out to me, <laughs> and it's because it's a different reaction than uh, Nathan's and Josh's. Mm -hmm. Delane seemed to have some level of skepticism about it. And then when I told my sister that I had just rewatched Chicken Run, which also comes from Ardman Animation, uh, her reaction was like basically bringing up the nightmarishness to it. And it had me thinking like there really are people who 
whose closest association with claymation as this kind of like uncomfortable, maybe viscerally disturbing style of animation, you know, fill me in with some of your uh, experiences. Well, Delane, Delane, I kind of want to guess like um, what made you so fearful of uh, these movies growing up and just Ardman in general, it looks like I, I'm, I'm going to go on the limb here and it's, it's kind of, you know, one reason that I would be scared of it too. They're British. <laughs> Strike one. So, so much teeth, not enough mouth. I love the British. Many of my favorite pieces of media. Oh, are never mind. You're dead to me then. You know, yeah, Ireland, rise up. Oh, I didn't realize this was happening live on the podcast. Um, yes, Brian, I think I am definitely like somebody who encapsulates like maybe both sides of the dichotomy you're describing, you know, sort of like, I think stop motion has a lot of like ability to show us things in a really unique way, you know, that, that live action or even just like animation, straight animation, like hand drawn or line, line drawn is, doesn't. Um, and so I, I really like a lot of things, you know, I like a lot of the potential that stop motion has for me personally, I do get a little squeamish sometimes watching it. I really tried hard when I was watching these three films to like pin down what it is that like gives me the like uncomfortable feeling. And I honestly haven't come to like a satisfactory answer to it, especially because as I've gotten older, um, I've watched more stop motion and it's been interesting to see like which studios and like which films I get that response um, with, you know, it doesn't happen with every stop motion film. Um, I think with Wallace and Gromit specifically, I saw Curse of the Weir Rabbit when I was really young and it just really scared me. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was as a child a scaredy cat and as still am as an adult. So, um, you know, I really mean, on brand for me. <laughs> uh, I'm going to out myself here and say that I also was in the same vein. I also uh, was a tad, uh, just a tad, just a tad intimidated. <laughs> yes, thank Wallace you. One of us. Curse of the Weir Rabbit. It's a scary, uh, but I'm, scary movie. I grown. I grew up. Yeah. I'm a man now. Yeah, yeah. I'm a aware man now. He feels no fear. Um, but you know, I I think so. Wallace and Gromit was kind of soured for me very early on. Um, and that's I feel a little bad about that because rewatching it, I did not feel nearly as like uncomfortable as I was expecting. Um, mm -hmm. I still don't love it. Something about the way specifically it's Wallace that puts me off. It's like the way he's shaped. I really just don't respond well to <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> my British, my, my my British very, shape. My no. very first note that I took watching a grand day out, which was, which is really, I mean, you know, an adult version of a first reaction to any Wallace and Gromit uh, is that Wallace's eyebrows, like the space where his eyebrows should be is basically like, also doubling as his frontal lobe. Yeah. And it's like his eyebrows are part of his brain. <laughs> it's like just is a, as far as how much of his head is like comprised of brow space. Yeah. And yeah, it definitely, uh, how old is he supposed to be too? That's like, that's like the other thing I think of. I'd like to say forties. Yeah. I mean, 40, something like mid that. Mid to late forties, I'd say. His voice sounds just as old as Peter Salas, whatever age he is when he's voicing those uh, those roles. And he is, uh, uh, let's see here, he was really old when he was <laughs> doing those voices. He died just a few years ago, and he was 
might maybe in his uh, 80s or 90s at that time. But yeah, Wallace is, you know, he's quite the, you know, quite the active guy, it seems, even though he's kind of bumbling a lot of the time. And Gromit's kind of the one who's doing a lot of the problem solving. He is. I think for me, it's his mouth shape. It's just the fact that his mouth is much wider than his head (laughs) is long that like really like his teeth are so prominent and it just is like, I don't know if it's the uncanny Valley or what. I just can't do it. But I I mean, I think I've come a long way. I was pretty proud of myself. I was like, look at this. I'm enjoying this film. Um, And I also think there's something about his, (laughs) his eyelids. They're very like, they're kind of bulbous. Yeah. Because they have to be like physical, because they have to actually be made. I'm thinking about how often they had to make each character blink, mm. uh, and how most of the time, you know, it's that's one of my favorite things to look at in animation is when they decide to make a character blink, and especially when to give a character's blink a sound. They don't mm-hmm. do that in this, but uh, it's definitely like a real, I guess it's more of like a trailer trope than anything else. Like you'll hear like a audible, like blink from a character as a joke. And then in the movie, it's just kind of a shot that they, a very SpongeBob uh, thing. Yeah. That would make sense too. That I, uh, think most about animation tropes from SpongeBob. I always think that Wallace and Gromit is like this, the most gentle kind of stop motion I've seen because all of the other examples are like your Henry Selleck style kinds of creepy movements, right? Your Coralines, your uh, Paranormans or some other uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, right? It's kind of like that, the most well-known example. I had to choose like a like stop motion, like movie to show like on a holiday, like Thanksgiving or Christmas, like Wallace and Gromit would like pair that with like peanuts or something, you know, like it would just like work well because nothing bad really happens, I guess. Like it does in our stop motion movies or like, yeah. that's like weird. It looks weird on screen or if somebody were passing by, they'd be like, holy shit, what the fuck is that? Is that a giant peach? Is that a rhinoceros uh, in the clouds? Yeah, my family. Stop motion very much as a genre, I think, is like dominated by horror. Like we really see like a lot of horror entries in in this medium. Um, and I kind of am curious, like maybe why? Maybe it's just because I don't know. Maybe this is my personal opinion, but like stop motion is kind of inherently creepy in a way. Like I don't know. So I think it just naturally translates very well. But I really didn't get like a horror vibe from Wallace and Gromit. Like, again, we did not watch Curse of the Weird Rabbit. So that's exempt from this conversation. But from the three films that we did watch, I mean, they were action packed and like suspenseful sequences, but it was never horror to me. But tell me if you guys disagree. They had horror elements, I would say. Yeah. Uh, the, the first one def- first one had like a robot that was chasing after him. Mm. Uh, as a kid, I remember being kind of like stressed out by it. I'm like, Wallace, get out of here. That guy's chasing after you. Like, he's going to hit you again or something you're like feeding that. It, you're feeding it little coppers and uh, it's coming to life. Stop giving it money. Yeah. <laughs> it won't attack. No, I was just about to say, I, I still think that thing is kind of creepy, actually. Of, yeah, of it all is. The bits because it, it doesn't, I, you know, they tried really hard to make it cute. And th- there's two things working against it. One, it's like the earliest Walls and Gromit. So there's still like a little bit of that like stop motion jitter to it. So you see all the textures and stuff of this um, of this movie more than you would see in the later Walls and Gromit stuff. Like there's I a lot that. more imperfections I love that, that show. Though. 
Yeah. No, I do too. But this has the effect that like, like stuff that doesn't like look quite like we're trying to apply like human like uh, like anamorph like type stuff to like these characters like to understand them. The fact that this thing doesn't have like a face either, and it's trying to make mm. emit emotions, and because it's also stop motion, it's just like it's it's like jarring almost. Like trying to like watch this thing like without thinking it's like heinous or like <laughs> it's like got it's it, mostly just hands. Yeah, it's mostly yeah. hands. Yeah, you think this thing's gonna murder like Wallace and Gromit at some point. Like it's just kind of weird. Oh, like, he kind of almost did. Yeah, you know, yeah. He, he tries he, to like, blow up the ship. He he straight up tries to blow well, him up. He he tries to concuss or at least kill Wallace with the <laughs> baton. Uh like just a second before the timer ran out. Yeah, well, police brutality showing up, uh, I guess. Well, yeah, I would also say this thing is like a cop, which I feel like I have less empathy for, because I'm like, all right, what, what's, your, what's your deal here, man? Although I would say he's more of like a forest ranger, if anything, because he's like mad that Wallace is eating the moon, and he's like, no, I have to preserve the moon. Uh, the other thing is that this guy is like on wheels, so it's very uncanny how he moves. I don't know how fast he is relative to a person on legs. So sometimes he's just squeaking real fast, and he's just like zooming right towards you. Uh, but you mentioned details, Nathan, and there was a couple in here that I wanted to bring up. It's definitely like the most amateur version of Walsh and Gromit. Like you could definitely tell this was like made in a guy's basement. But uh, there's like some details I really love. Like, there's a tree tray, ta uh, tea tray table with, like, cup rings on it. Like, it's been used multiple times. Like, that was a fun detail. Uh, there's, like, orange paint on the ladder. Like, splotches of orange paint on the ladder because he's been using it for, like, painting the ship, which I found was really fun. The magazines I also was just really fun. Like, Cheese Holiday. Like, come on. Like, that. that's that's funny. Uh, I, and then I really get a kick out of reading the titles on like the books that Gromit is reading and like the newspaper headlines. At one point, Gromit was reading Plato's Republic. Which yes, is hilarious, <laughs> amazing. Yes, did, <laughs> did any of y'all see the Rosebud uh, yeah. cameo? Oh, I missed uh, it. Oh. <laughs> it's basically he has it. he he it pans down and there's a sled, a red sled, and it's titled Rosebud. But what's funny is if you look at it in other shots, it doesn't have that title on it. So it was just <laughs> like that one shot. It was called Rosebud. Nice. Uh, the yeah. the newspapers in, uh, I think specifically in the in the wrong trousers. Sorry, not to jump too far ahead, but there are like. It goes with this kind of way I've watched these three films and Chicken Run recently that kind of give this interesting little like bit of like teases, kind of a Pixar level tease, like how they used to play, you know, they used to have like some Finding Nemo reference in Monsters, Inc. And then that goes behind and you see like a, a Lotso hugging Baron up, stuff, stuff like that. But it's in the form of newspaper articles, newspaper clippings. Uh, in a close shave, you see... Uh, like Gromit's reading the paper. First off, there's an article that just says dog reads paper while Gromit is reading the newspaper. I That's obviously that <laughs> brilliant. Uh, but uh, another one that says like moon cheese shares. Yes. Thor. Yes. And that was right, right. after that was the second short after um, Grand Day Out, which made me yes. think because in that same scene, Wallace is like, we're out of money. And I'm like, Wallace, don't eat the moon cheese. The shares were so high. <laughs> yes. You idiots. And then in that same episode, 
and even like i think just like on the other side of the newspaper was a thing about um sheep found guilty and yeah. something about sheepdog trials continue which ultimately teases the you know the 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 next one uh which uh has its own kinds of things that i notice happen later on in arvin's history um itself but uh yeah any less kind of thing thoughts about a grand day out um you know like obviously this was the kind of more kind of the junkiest looking one mm. uh i think wallace's head is just it's most odd shaped in this one i think most would agree probably um it's like almost like scary looking at times especially with some of the lighting when he goes in the basement yes. like the way his like head is shaped and the lighting is just all like of, all of this takes place at night that's another mm. thing that i think is interesting about just the kind of the choices that you're that that they're made this is definitely like has student film level uh technique to it I guess it's but easier the, to do that for like a lighting sequence because like doing daytime, I would imagine, would be like really hard to do for like an probably, amateur film. You're probably learning like what kinds of techniques you're capable of doing and what you can right. improve on. You know, you see like even fewer little like thumbprints in each subsequent film. Mm-hmm. Um, what one little but, like the detail i did notice um or it wasn't so much details like so as i was like scouring the internet for walls and grommet tidbits to post into our uh, discord chat i did come across one little uh fact uh so wensley dale is a cheese like uh, producer right and they had walls say it because it's very like toothy so like his mouth moves a lot like when he uh, says it and they mm. wanted to like show that well the effect of that was that um, after the short was re- released, so apparently Wesley Dale was like actually going to go bankrupt. Um, My but God. Because of the short, it boosted their sales dramatically and saved them from bankruptcy at the time. What's um, wrong with Wesley Dale? That, so, uh, yeah, that cheese was... comes from the moon, apparently. Uh, yeah. yeah, that came from. Uh, that's really similar. Nathan to one of the things I heard them talk about on the commentary which was that the reason why Wallace looks like that and why he loves cheese is just because cheese has like yeah just kind of stretches his face out a little bit and mm-hmm. uh then they decided like okay well let's just his whole like you know his whole personality now <laughs> did they ever and explain also, the the hand movements cuz he does it in the first short I mm-hmm. think um when they when they wrote out the dialogue for Salas, who the voice actor, uh, he was just so they were so happy with the way he would say cheese that they just <laughs> you know probably gave him like oh. you know just some kind of like physical movement uh, and it just it just kind of stuck right. That's it. It's that's so adorable. Like, it's not even a deliberate choice to make these characters so gentle. It's just kind of all experiments that end up working i think to their benefit you know that's why you kind of see only slightly more um add-ons the more we get to because these films are fairly small in scale Mm -hmm. right this one even though it half of it takes place on the moon there's still only three characters two of them are silent and two of them don't even have like mouths so you have one voice performance supporting all of the events that take place in like 22 minutes and all of it is just pretty much 
silent and you get like you know i i got kind of crushed for the first moment the robot couldn't uh like he realized that they were leaving the moon and he has that flashback again of skiing and having fun for a brief second that he panics and tries to board with them but because wallace thinks that he's trying to catch him for stealing the moon cheese that you know and he gets he gets blown away and he can't he can't do it he's all alone he doesn't have anyone but then he he realizes that he has the little pieces to make his own uh homemade ski set and you know enjoy the the slopes of the cheesy moon until his time runs coin out runs out he's just he's just back to being frozen until the next yeah. person gives him oh my god money his- which his coin runs would, out. I thought they would imply that somehow, but uh, I mean, they didn't. So maybe, maybe it doesn't. Maybe, you know, the fulfillment of that is reward is compensation enough. It's maybe a happier ending put him down, Gromit. Yeah. Oh, I love do, that. I, I do think it's funny that immediately after he, after Wallace thinks that he's after them, because he did, after all, just try to like, you know, whack him on the head with a baton. He's on the slopes already, and Walls of Gromit just wave back to him, like, oh, cool, you got what you wanted. Also, we didn't know what you wanted, but uh, good to know that, you know, you're not gonna uh, smack us. Like, all's well that ends well kind of thing. Like, you seem happy, kind of. and, you know. And then <laughs> the robot does the same thing, like, oh, yeah, thanks. This isn't really what I wanted, but it's good enough. But that's, I Maybe think, why it kept becomes... Me with quarters. That's why it becomes like wholesome instead of maybe horror. Obviously, we don't see the robot running out of battery, so that yeah. maybe would have tipped it a little farther into horror. But you know, like it's um, it's very cozy. Like it's very like childish and sweet. Like you know, it's a happy ending for everybody again, as as, as long as we assume the robot is still up there skiing his little heart out. Um. <laughs> two yeah. two small details that I really liked, or just two things I want to make a note of. Uh, one, just uh, some smaller details I love. I love that the rocket has a license plate. And the robot is giving him a ticket, like off the license plate number, and then opens his rocket with a can opener. Uh, just some fun details there. But ultimately, I think the main gist that I got out of this that I really, the main takeaway I got out of this is that it feels very much like a bedtime story kind of deal. Mm-hmm. It feels like very simplistic and kind of timeless because it's just like yeah. a man wanted to go to the moon to eat some cheese, so he made a rocket to go up there. I love that kind of detail out of it. I love that kind of simplicity out of it. I love like the detail that the interior of the rocket is just his living room. Like that's so childlike and like very like uh just innocent. And then just the idea of like the moon being made of cheese and then just hanging out on the moon and eating cheese off the moon. And yes, it did shape my view of the moon being made of cheese for a long time to an embarrassing degree. <laughs> How long in everyone's lives did they think the moon truly was made of cheese? Uh, Honestly, I never, I never thought that. You never wow. thought, like well, you not even as a kid. Kids. Wow. Did you, I, ne- did you just think Santa Claus was just bullshit too? Were you the um actually kid who was like, uh, the moon isn't actually made of cheese? Did you go out and kill the Listen. Easter Bunny in your backyard. Wow. Okay, this escalated. Listen, I wanted to be a scientist. Thought it was one of those rabbits. When I was a little girl, I wanted to be a scientist until I grew up and found out how much math was involved, and that dream died very quickly. But um, yeah, I really did. I I wanted to be an astrophysicist when I was um, very little, and I couldn't even say it properly. You know, you have to do math, and you're like, what? (laughs) I learned all about that pesky astrophysics. 
Yeah, I, I was just like, want to go up into rocket. I just guys, wanted to do the rocket too, science I'm without any of the science. Serious. I literally, I was obsessed with Stephen Hawking. I wanted to be like an astrophysicist. I couldn't say it. I would, I would mispronounce it in a way I will not repeat because otherwise you will continue to tease me about it for the rest of my life. But um, yeah, until I got about to mm, sixth grade. And then I like really thought about it, and I was like, mm, "Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that." <laughs> My dream is dead. And so another woman in STEM was lost. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's okay. I, I also wanted to be a scientist, but instead of like hey, actual science, I would just stick stuff in my freezer just to see. <laughs> Hell yeah! Like alive things. Uh, uh, yeah, sometimes. Uh, <laughs> Nathan, Nathan were, kind, Nathan, were you the kind of kid? that nathan where's uh, my cat like, oh god you like you would you like use the sunlight to melt ants with a magnifying glass on the street on a hot day absolutely it was just insects and maybe they chipmunk i don't know i don't even want to know what you would do to the frogs in science um nathan are you the type of kid that would dissect a, a rat a, a chipmunk and like other small animals because that's that's a sign that's a, that's yeah, the sign that of something. Yeah, I explain a lot about you now. <laughs> Nathan, where's Nunu? Also, I haven't acted on it yet. What was your alibi for the night? Of <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, like, I was running experiments in my freezer, Delane. <laughs> all right, how about that wrong trousers, right? Yeah. Am I right? Yes. So the wrong trousers, uh, it's uh, Gromit's birthday, and Wallace buys him a, a leash, and uh, a big pair of metal pants, uh, otherwise known as the trousers. They are the trousers at this point of the film. Mm -hmm. uh, little to uh, Wallace's knowledge, they will soon be the wrong trousers because in an effort to save uh, uh, some coin, they open up their... Uh, their flat is that what they would call? Is that what you'd call it? Their their home. I would yep. assume. Uh, to a a penguin, uh, a wordless penguin, uh, or as Wallace calls him, paying guest. Uh, this. Yeah, cheers to penguin. paying guests. I thought that was a funny throwaway <laughs> cheers line. Cheers to paying guests. <laughs> it makes me feel like Peter Salas didn't know that he's talking about a penguin. <laughs> So that they could have well, just like inserted anything into that role and decided on a penguin. I initially thought that Wallace didn't know it was a penguin. Like I thought Wallace just was very clueless as to what his subletter was. I was like, does he know it's a penguin? And does then there are two. Does he think Gromit isn't a dog? <laughs> but then there's like two instances where uh, Wallace says. Well, more cheese, Mr. Penguin. So he knows. He knows okay. that a penguin gave him money for a room. And he's just like, eh, whatever, it's well, fine. Well, I think that yeah. that explains the joke, too, where he's, like, showing the room to the penguin. And he says, by the way, you know, he's, like, stumbling and mumbling. And he's like, there's no pets. Like, so he's like, no no pets. But it's like, he's like, clearly you're not a pet, but you're still just an a, animal. So yeah, but <laughs> a also little slow there. The, I mean, he is like I mean, they're clueless anyway because like later on we find out penguin is like this mastermind criminal which the only difference is is a um a rubber like glove on top of his head that makes him look like a chicken or well, i do have, i do have a question why does wallace have an additional bedroom 
And I feel like I want to be the guy that like creates this random like lore where it's like Wallace had a kid for a long time and then he died and that room wow. was just never used. I mean, think about it though. There's no. Why does he have that additional room that is never used? I Maybe mean, he had a low sperm count because he always wore the wrong trousers. <laughs> oh also, boy. another one that's not so dark is why does Wallace have a hairdryer? He's an inventor. He likes to tinker with things. It Maybe could be that for Gromit. Space is for tinkering. It could be for Gromit. The hairdryer could be for Gromit. But that what, that really left me speechless for Let's a be there. honest. I think there's a greater likelihood that Gromit is the one paying the bills. It does seem to be that he way. He has made the decision to have the room, but like, you know, occasionally Wallace still has kind of this domineering sense over him. That's why, you know, buys him uh uh you know, the a dog leash for his birthday. Uh anyone stop me at any point because I'm just gonna keep going. No, dude, uh, I thought this guy was like a burden on the state until the third chore, and I was like, oh, he kind of has a job. I he can't does have he a makes job. It, he makes his yeah. dog work. Well, it's just like so surprising that his savings is so little, and I'm like, what? Well, how do you? Well, he, do... he built a rocket. You think that was cheap? No. Well, like, you think remember, he sold it? It's a, it's remember how small... many animated characters were like inventors? I mean, right? you got Wallace, you got Stu Pickles. On you Rugrats, got, you got Dexter, you got Bell's good, dad, like, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, right? he's an inventor. They all think he's kooky. He came I in here raving. Like... Whoa, Maurice! <laughs> it's good plot, right? Like, he's so somebody can create an invention to solve a problem or to create a problem. Um, often both in the same. You know, isn't that like? Aren't Phineas and Ferb like inventors too? They are. I don't know. Ah. It's an out for the story to get ridiculous because mm -hmm. then it's like you can have different avenues for things to happen. Well, you can uh, draw a fun invention a perfect, way easier than like build it, actually. It's a perfect yeah. animation device is like, yeah. You know, it's like, why did this happen? Oh, he's, a he's an inventor. Yeah. Let's mm -hmm. use the thing. Sometimes that's just the whole basis for a, an animated film. Right. Oh, there's a Varric in Legend of Korra, too. He's also an inventor. Now I'm just thinking of more of them. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth, Delane. You'd think this, this would be like a normal scenario, uh, you know, new roommate, maybe a potential for a, a, fun, a fun new kind of spin on Wallace and Gromit, Wallace and Gromit and paying guest. Uh, <laughs> but it turns out, uh-oh, this penguin is uh, moonlighting as a diamond thief in the form of a chicken named Feathers McGraw. I know. And I saw the name on the uh, on the newspaper. Do penguins have feathers? Yeah, I would assume so. It, Chickens definitely do. Yeah. You ever but see I, like baby? You ever see baby penguins? Like, and they kind of oh, molt they have those fuzz, feathers. Though. Yeah. What do you think that is? I I think fuzz and feathers are different. Okay, I'm googling this very quickly. Do penguins? The scientists have... getting, getting to it. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. I there might be some math involved in figuring this out. now. Listen to everyone you guys. involved okay. with the reporting. Everyone involved with the reporting of Feathers McGraw was like Josh and did not know that Feathers was not a chicken. Well, it turns out uh, they do have feathers, so it's all out. They actually feathers have more McGraw feathers. Big scientists. <laughs> um, I love the sound design for the penguin as he walks around because it's just little slaps of his feet. I don't know. It's just so funny because he doesn't make any other noise. He like, like doesn't say anything. He, he just, grunts at the like, end. 
he like does a little pitter patter. Yeah, it's a bar. Yeah, he like yeah. grunts, yeah. which is. I'll be honest with you, that penguin. Like, I was thinking about how in a grand day out, like maybe the washing machine or whatever the robot was, like. <laughs> It looked like a washing machine to me. So I kept calling it, it a washing like machine one. in my head. Um, like I was thinking like, Total why machine. was he so like off-putting kind of? And I think like maybe because he didn't have like eyes or like a real face, mm -hmm. like maybe that would have helped. But like the penguin has eyes and a face and that penguin, there's nothing in those eyes. Those eyes are terrifying. They are literally just black holes of menace. I was like, like there's Cue a couple of the Robert Jaws monologue. Yeah, I was like, oh. <laughs> sociopath penguin. penguin would knife me for sure but yeah um so i don't know if a face would have helped the the washing machine robot on the moon or not his but. design kind of gives off a far side comics if any of you have seen like far side <laughs> panels it's just like very simplistic like lines for eyes or something like that do y'all also notice in the background of the museum that there were cave penguin that were just hanging like, like a display of cave penguin like cavemen but they are penguin around a campfire this universe is so interesting to me. <laughs> right? They're teasing early say, man. He's yeah. Ferris McGraw is a chicken, and they've done chickens uh before. Well, not before, but well, they, know, kinda they will do chickens. They kind of screwed up on the chicken design. It looks like a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> the museum was such a well-designed set, though. Like, I really was struck by the detail. I mean, that is kind of the hallmark of Wallace and Gromit as a franchise is the insane attention to detail. Like we've been talking about this whole time, mm -hmm. but the museum, especially like I was honestly like really blown away by like every shot. Like it just was so well created. Um, I can't it's definitely an improvement it, from the last short. Uh, it's interesting because I watched this like progressively by like the like year after like the most recent to the oldest. And it's just interesting mm -hmm. to see. Uh, like what became staples of Wallace and Gromit, like this short, like defined what the designs were going to look like. This was like definitely a finished design for it. What Wallace's mm -hmm. bedroom looks like and like his little panel that he presses, like get started in the morning. That became like a staple. It's just interesting to see like the progression of what became like staples. And like in the next short, they clearly had enough money for additional people and like what they looked like in this universe. It's just yeah. like that progression is very interesting. They, they said that the, um, I mean, obviously a grand day out was just like, you know, like, you know, two guys in their garage. It took years to make that one. It was right. like a, like a seven year long project. And they had, uh, they said about a, a budget of around 600,000. I don't know if they're talking about pounds, pounds. or dollars, but I'm assuming pounds uh, for the wrong trousers. And then that was essentially doubled moving from like 12 people for the wrong trousers to 40 people for a close shave. And you can uh, tell. With about one, yeah, you see like all the more detail. And then you see like Chicken Run and you suddenly have uh, like exponentially more characters in speaking roles and a lot of different things happening at, at once, which like. And in Curse of the Were Rabbit, like how many more char human characters yes. are there? It's like you know. so crazy because in stark contrast to the first like two shorts, it's like there was no people ever. And it's just like now it's like so populated. It's just so interesting mm -hmm. to see that progression. I That's the kind of stuff I love is like that super incredible detail, you know, and that's um, super fun. Uh, kind of on a different note from detail or maybe on a detail note, uh, I want to talk about the train sequence. Fantastic. Uh, with feathers and uh grommet where 
he's like in real time replacing the tracks in front of him so he doesn't crash so that the train can keep going and it's just one of the like best like visual things i think i've ever seen in like animation really it's so simple but it's so uh fun to just hear the little click clacks of the each track going in and not seeing any of the tracks like lose amounts so that you can infinitely keep doing that as long as you need to do it and it's always fun to just watch him like panic and see no end in sight to this uh this endeavor yeah that's why i think like the wrong trousers is like the like Wallace and Gromit short, I think, of mm-hmm. all of them is because I mean, one is just like the iconography of like the trousers too. Like they're just it, it, it. I don't know. It's just seared in my brain. And like between that and then like that whole sequence just like elevates this from like a funny like short, well, somewhat depressing short actually. Gromit feels like he's getting like cited by this penguin and um and Wallace, but yeah like that whole like train sequence like uh, elvis is to like oh this is like the like ardman store that they like did you know and like you could see like oh uh, like um they would go on to like do wear rabbit and like and even like uh post shave you know with the whole sequence in the truck and everything you could see like mm-hmm. bits of that train sequence in there yeah just so freaking cool i love that he has a gun just all of a sudden just pops a gun out the <laughs> from- funniest Funniest part of any Ardman film for me is that knife to a gunfight, but it's a rolling pin. So you think the thing that the penguin is going to pull out is some be something slightly more on the upper hand, but it's all the way the very top, the most uh, uh, intense thing it could be without a single word too. And Gromit's kind of uh, you know succumbing to that immediately and going into the closet is. Really, really funny, especially given how competent Gromit is all the time, mm. right? You think it's it's such a rookie mistake to bring a rolling pin to a gunfight. That's that classic line, right? Uh, you, I also love how comp- a rolling pin. I also love how. Uh, yeah, I I got it, Brian. Uh, <laughs> See, he brought a rolling pin and then he pulls out a gun. <laughs> uh, wait, what did he bring again? So, anyways, uh, uh, I love, I think what's really like a staple of what makes Ardman so good as an animation studio is that they're able to make Gromit so emotive without having him say anything. Uh, I think that's like the, like the true star of any like Ardman film is like the ability to show expression just through eyes alone. Because Gromit is like a sassy bitch, uh, no matter, like without even saying a word. And I love it. I wrote in my notes, Gromit, greatest emoter, like truly like it's Wiley Coyote level, like clarity of like what someone is like feelings and thoughts are without saying, uttering a single word. It's mm. all in the face. It's like all in the ears, right? When when Gromit first sees the the pan still wrapped up approaching him, he like backs up to the table and his ears go completely straight and they start shivering. Right, you know exactly like what's on what's on his mind. The eye rolls are just what I live for. He's just like, just like does not give a shit about Wallace's yeah. stuff. A close shave. Maybe before I talk about a close shave, I want to talk about the the just real quickly like a Nick Park Oscars history because out of all the Wallace and Gromit stuff he's done, 
He's won like four Academy Awards for Wallace right. and Gromit things. For the shorts? Actually, no, actually, that's that's not true. He has four Oscars. Three of them are for Wallace and Gromit things. Uh, a Grand Day Out is the only one of these three films to not win the Best Animated Best Animated Short Oscar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only reason why A Grand Day Out did not win is because another short that Nick Park did was the recipient of that award. And it was, um, I don't know if you ever saw his shorts where he, he used uh, like interview footage and animates uh like zoo animals yes that you know even more parallel right to uh to what we're doing and i think it was i don't remember what it was called it's like you know creature comforts or something like that Uh, if you haven't watched them they're they're pretty they're pretty enjoyable uh are you know arguably even more english than wallace and gromit is but yeah super fun uh he won so he won that one one it it's what feels like a unanimous vote really for the wrong trousers. Like that's the thing that just kind of begs an Oscar, uh, a close shave winner. And then Wallace and Gromit best animated feature, uh, curse of the were rabbit 2005. That was like the first film I ever watched. No, knowing that it had won like some prestigious award and no adults or other, uh, kids would care about that in the slightest. So, uh, I just needed to make like a timestamp on how long I've been loving this kind of stuff that uh, most everyone around me doesn't care about. So a close shave. Uh, what is it? Walls of Gromit. They clean windows now. Uh, hey, he needs to make money somehow. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Could you uh, imagine a modern day Walls and Gromit, and he's just like doing Uber or something, or like <laughs> doing a DoorDash, like a Walls and. Wallace is like creates a machine that shoots DoorDash deliveries at like doors. Yeah, but it like goes. It'll all be like cheese deliveries. It's, yeah, it's it's all it's all cheese. It's like yeah. uh, cheese, please. You know, it calls something go. like that. Um, I did love Close Shave. That was my favorite of the three that I that when I when I grew it's, up, Close Shave was the one I had watched the most um, out of those three. It's the one we find out that Wallace has. Some- the fucking Riz, man. Like, he, uh... Does he? Because she definitely rejects him. <laughs> well, the other thing is, like, is this it, This is the like... only one where he, so far, where he actually makes interaction, like, fit verbally with another human being. Is it is it also narcissism? Because it's basically just a female version of Wallace. Her name is Wilhelmina. She has a dog. Her dad was an inventor. Her name is Wendeline. Wendeline, wow. sorry. How have you seen this so many times? No, I and... actually it says here her name is also Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> and she looks exactly like Wallace with hair. Yes, she like, does. I feel like Wallace just has like a narcissistic but, kind of tendency here. But that's a huge difference though, is like with hair. Right. She could use the hair dryer. Maybe, maybe he I don't know. I don't know. I'm not gonna try to but I will connection say with the hair dryer. The big standout for a close shave for me was Sean the shape, the sheep. He is so cute. I love him. Real um, cutie. When he comes out of the knit omatic and he's, he's got so already got the cute. little bandage on his on his tush. <laughs> it's so crazy that this would be basically the introduction of like Armin's second half of their legacy, essentially at this point. Um, because Sean the sheep would yeah. blow up, you know, and become their their thing essentially for the I next haven't point seen of any, years. I haven't seen any of those, but now I kind of want to watch them because he was so cute in this. They're good. They're really good. 
they have a show and they have a move they have a movie two movies two movies, two movies yeah I, I like to imagine that Nick Park just has a notepad that just says, huh, who knew? And it's just sheep equals profit. <laughs> it's like sheep, chicken, pie, cheese, you know, pirates, early man. Like, I don't know. Um, he's got like a, but, you know, bulletin board behind him with like red thread connecting it all. And he's like, it makes sense. My franchise. Yeah. <laughs> what I like, a, what I like most about a close shave is how, it's a real culmination of the previous two Wallace and Gromit films. You have the first one, which the main antagonist is a robot. Mm. And then in The Wrong Trousers, you have an a animal. villain who is an animal. And in this one, you have a villain who is a robot animal. <laughs> that, is, that is honestly like maybe the scariest one of the three for me. I was gonna uh, say, Preston, the dog. like he's the yeah. one who's ever actually killed anybody. Yeah. He's also kind of he's an, a robot. Dog. He's all, he has a very like intense stare too, which I remember as a kid being very affected by, especially like the lighting around him too. Yeah, uh, the scene where looks... he's in the window and Gromit is washing the window and he just like looks at him through the drapes is so scary. Actually, yeah. like it's, it's daylight, but it's like it's very creepy. Hmm. And all without a single word. It's just, it's such good uh, character design. I think he looks scarier as a dog than as a robot. The robot version of him is pretty like Terminator like, <laughs> in all honesty. Very Terminator. Uh, I think it, it's, uh, it's helped by the fact that he's on four legs when he's a when he's a robot. You know, at the end. Um, sure. But when he's a dog, presumably he's on two legs for most of it, which makes him look more intimidating. I think. Mm -hmm. Well, as, as a robot, he has like giant teeth and roars and it's like yeah. all right this guy could eat me like th that thing could literally be a danger uh did you notice josh the license plate uh, in this short i did not notice license plate was it say uh it was i mean it, it looked different from the license plate in the grand day out but it was like it was uh one it was three characters listed over two over three characters and it said uh first line was all caps G R R, so grr, and then I ate you, so it's mm. like grr. I hate you, and that was Preston's uh, license plate. It it seemed it looked like it. I didn't pause to confirm it, but it would make sense uh, if that's what it did say. It's crazy. In the last two shorts, like Gromit gets the shit every time. Like in the wrong trousers, he gets basically kicked out of the house because Wallace is like neglecting him essentially. And in this one, he gets arrested and, like, he put in framed. jail. And there's, like, literally a scene of him He's... crying. Like, you just watch a dog get super depressed. You know, like... there's something cinematic about uh, about um, animals getting framed for crimes and going to uh, prison. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, well, especially the fact that he, like, like, all of the headlines name him. So it's like someone told him... Someone told them his name, and it's not him. So, like, and at first, until we saw obviously the big rescue attempt, um, I was like, they were leading it up to show like Wallace didn't really care. Like, he's reading the paper and he's like, "Oh, Gromit, you got oh, caught. Like, Gromit. you shouldn't have done this." And and it was so funny to me that like 
Gromit is always bailing him out, always, like, without mm. even a thought. And, like, here's, like, where he could really, like, need some help for once. And he's just, like, immediately believes that he's guilty. <laughs> like, <laughs> my my favorite uh, line out of the third short is, his bounce is gone from his bungee. Just, like, oh, yes. the little thing he says. Uh, oh, and then the book he reads uh, is by yes. <laughs> Fido <Yes>. Dogstoyevsky. <laughs> Yes, pretty good. Well, he's reading uh, Crime and Crime Punishment. Crime and Punishment, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Excellent. That's Although that guy is... That's the clever me. joke. That's the clever part of it. To, you know, to not have a, a pun in the title, have a pun in the author. Yeah. It's no joke, man, uh, Brian. He's he's getting educated. I don't, I don't know what... There's no joke on education. Yeah, no laughing matter. Uh, <laughs> Interesting that he is, didn't like know what the message was from the puzzle until he finished it he like finished the puzzle he goes oh a message like you you couldn't tell from d- making the puzzle is a is a is a puzzle message even necessary because all he didn't have to do anything because sean was just i mean i assume it was wallace who, who put it th- together but uh i like, like to imagine that was it was gonna sean. happen that was gonna yeah well it's the first person you see it's not signed uh, either like wouldn't wallace put his name like it just says well, a friend. It said a, it said a friend, which I mean. I think we can definitely hypothesize that Sean made the puzzle. <laughs> Could be. Well, then what's there's Wall- evidence? Like, do, do you think he's telling Wallace like what to do? I mean, probably. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about. I uh, I think Wallace is you know as smart as he is. There's nothing going on upstairs. He <laughs> only got an extra build room a in his attic. Yeah. He's only motivated by what's going on downstairs. In the trousers. Anyways. In the trousers. My favorite little detail is uh, at the very end when their grommet switches that dial to a close shave when he's bungeeing mm. and gives a little wink either to Sean or to the audience as if, as if to say, like, yeah, how about how about that little dink? You know, just a little dotting the eye and with some flair. Uh, Wallace you know, says it's the, the wrong trousers in the wrong trousers short. Yeah, they really, they really does, love name he, dropping, but he does not wink at the camera, which uh, is a failure on my part. Uh, no, um, all titles must be winked at. Yes, they must be like you know the the Suicide Squad approach. Looks like I uh, am the assassination of Robert E. Lee from <laughs> the Coward James, whatever the title is. I can't remember the name. Robert E. Lee, <laughs> not Robert E. Lee. What was the name? The assassination of Jim, Jesse James. Jesse by James the by the Coward Robert, Robert Ford. Ford. Yeah, there you go. Robert um, E. Lee. I, I would watch I an assassination like, of Robert E. Lee. Um, we'll watch the assassination of you here in a little bit. Casey and Affleck's just like doing a wink at the camera. But the, I, assassinate this rest of the episode and give any kind of final thoughts we have about uh, Wallace and Gromit uh, or Chicken Run. I feel like there's not a lot of Ardman that we'll cover much in the future because I feel like this is like such a central text. Unless maybe you know someone chooses a Shaun the Sheep movie. Uh, but you know, until then, like anyone have any lingering thoughts about Ardman? I just want to away next. Actually, maybe one at a time. I did not hear any of what either of you two just said. Uh, you go first, Nathan. Oh, nothing. I was just uh, pimping out, flushed away. No, uh, you for... don't understand. Choose one person at a time. Don't just say no. The other person talk. Uh, Anyways, I, uh, what no I was comment. basically just gonna say is, 
Okay, I'm gonna go. Anyway, so I'm just wanting to talk about how I love the final chase scene. But I did want to say the final chase scene in uh, Close Shave is great. It's one of my favorite things. I love the fact that every sheep is involved and that they're balancing on a motorcycle. They all balance on top of each other to evenly space themselves out. Uh, And then they do the same when they go through a tunnel. Uh, That shit just makes me laugh every time. Uh, Yeah. I just wanted to give a little... Oh, and then he, like, goes through the, the doors and, like, has the little wings go in go through there. Oh, and then the other thing is uh, the drill gag is when one drill starts going into it, it stops, and then they just start spinning around frantically. Like, that's a yeah. that's a definitely a Great staple. Comedy. That's a staple in Aardman uh, comedy. So those mm-hmm. are just details that I just want to throw out there. Uh, especially... Uh, like, I grew up on Wallace and Gromit when I was really young. I don't know. I For the life of me, I do not remember how we, re, like, got these shorts. I want to think they were on VHS. I cannot remember. Uh, but, yeah, I grew up loving it. The theme song's fantastic. It's a staple of British culture. All uh, the music is just unforgettable. It's yeah. it's so good, especially in, in the a close shave. It's very really mm-hmm. sweeping. It adds a le- level of romanticism into something that used to just be kind of uh you know horror stingy and uh like adventurous i think like just like kind of wrap up my thoughts just on walls and grab in general it's just like i think it's kind of crazy and a testament to the craft of like these shorts that culturally like it's just people still remember these characters so fondly um i'm assuming over in the uk as well as like here like i yeah. just I, I see shit pop up all like every once in a while, like Walls and Gromit usually like does numbers, like and it's just like kinda of crazy. Like these like characters have like kind of like survived this long with very limited like content really. Like yeah. the, these are just a you know, they have a few shorts in a, a movie that won't you know, did win a best uh animated feature, but still like there's been plenty of like Oscar winners that have kind of just came and went right or like or animated stuff and i just like think it's just like so cool that these characters have like stood the test of time and you know well it's it's i love them to pieces i mean for the first like few like they only started doing that category uh for animated feature for like uh, just a few years by the time that this film won and even at that time, still pretty good company, right? You've got mm-hmm. uh, like The Incredibles winning right before, and then Finding Nemo and Spirited Away and Shrek. Like that was all the winners at that time, and you know it definitely feels like you know there's reclamation to be had by uh, Curse of the Were Rabbit, but uh, not the subject of this episode. Uh, Delane, any any final thoughts about Ardman or Wallace and Gromit? Uh, yeah, I think I am cured of my fear, probably was already, but it was nice to, like, sort of be forced to revisit it, because I probably wouldn't have done so on my own, um, and I had a really good time, I really enjoyed, especially a close shave, was really, really fun, really made an impression on me, um, and, yeah, I'd seen A Grand Day Out once before, um, I feel like one of you guys sent it to me in college, because I think I probably, it probably came up, my, like, stop-motion aversion, and you guys were like, you have to watch this, and so it was cool to revisit that again, too, um, and I, there was a scene in A Grand Day Out that I just really loved, I didn't really get to talk about, 
Um, and it's a scene when they first arrive on the moon and Wallace kicks a soccer ball up and it just never comes back down. Like, I found that so funny. I, I really, like, can't explain. I was expecting it to, like, come back down and hit him on the head eventually. Like, I didn't think he kicked it that hard, like, where it was in orbit. But hilarious that it just, like, straight up never came back down. Um, I like uh, how long dur- he waited. <laughs> During the c- credit sequence, you see the ball continue oh. to go up the frame. Gosh, so see, it, it's I even, you know... Credits can be such a an art form in themselves. Yeah. Uh, well, it there this this franchise is clearly like we spent most of this episode I think talking about like the little details and the little yeah. Easter eggs hidden throughout. Um, and so that I think contributes to um, what Nathan was saying. Like, there's a lot of like rewatchability and a lot of like timelessness where you could watch something a number of times and still get something new out of it that you might not have seen before. Um, and it's you know stop motion is an art form, and I'm glad to see you know, the drives taken in recent years. Like I've, I've really loved the recent like stop motion masterpieces we've been getting from other studios. Um, and it's fun to like revisit some of the older origins and you know, they're still timeless and still hold up really well. So yeah, really overall good feelings for me on this one. Do you think they'll, do you think it's a good idea to make new walls and grommet shorts? I know that Peter Salas, so what voice actor Peter Salas? Salas? Is, I, I say Salas. Well, we're uh, confirmed to be getting a new one. Like, really? Who, yeah. Who's yeah. Also, voicing Wallace? There's ben, there's another something. guy. They they've uh, been he they've I think he's done like a couple other like non short mm-hmm. film related things as Wallace. So yeah. I mean, it kind of went under my nose. So. Uh, you know, I, always, I guess I don't. I don't really mind it. That's the kind of thing. If it's still, if it's still like Nick Park, yeah, and who's also doing this new Chicken Run movie, like I, I feel kind of trustworthy. I'm not trying to like hype it up for myself much. It's just not really where I'm at right now, uh, watching new movies this this year. But uh, I'm I'm kind of for it. I I think, uh, you know, this film franchise film franchise. I mean, like the you know the Wallace and Gromit like world and Ardman really thrive off of uh the animation right the so mm-hmm. the the quiet moments the silent filmisms right the kind of um you know dialogue free escapades and mm-hmm. if as long as they do those i'm 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 a happy moviegoer well smashing uh Anyway, that concludes uh, this discussion. Uh, that concludes one more rotation of the four of us, which means it's time to oh uh, clench as we uh, listen to a live reaction of what uh, Nathan's uh, next month pick is going to be. So take it away, Nathan. For the holidays, call. Nathan. For the yeah, holidays. We all reserve a right to veto as well, so I will use it. <laughs> Where is your Christmas spirit, Nathan? Look hey, deep down. Here's the deal: is that okay? So this next movie is not gonna be like gross or anything, but okay. uh-huh. I will. I will say. So I've been of two mindsets for for past few months at least, and so these two movies I've been trying to decide between are kind of where I'm at uh, mentally at the moment. So. Um, I don't know if I like this. How are you so going I, to decide? I decided for seeing Saw X, uh, I've been feeling a, a bit like, oh, like uh, I'll leave it up to chance, you know. Um, 
So let me share my screen real quick. You have two choices. Yeah, he's gonna be like, "Do you want to play? Want to play a game?" Oh, I see. He's doing One is solo for us. Uh, okay. So don't give him ideas. So one ideas. is the nineteen. Um, God, was it nineteen forty? I think it's forty six, forty five. One of the two. Um, Frank, Frank uh, Capra's "It's a Wonderful Life." That's one of the choices. Okay. Ooh, good choice. The good other choice. one is. Saw X. It's gonna. It's gonna be Saw X. Silent Night. It's not Saw X. It's the nineteen eighty five. Russian war film by Elim Kilmov, Come and See. No! No! It's a not wonderful life versus it is not no, a wonderful life. A horrible life. life. So, yeah. I'll bring up this, I'll bring up this little spinner. So, uh, no. I'm gonna <laughs> leave it up to chance to see how this goes. Oh, All right. oh, oh, you're no, gonna, you really we... are gonna blindfold yourself no. and... and... Throw no! a dart against the wall. Yes, yes, no, no. Oh, am I supposed to be no! watching this? No, your movie no! oh, December is uh, 1985's Come and See. Nathan, oh, I don't want to. Good lord, I don't want to do that. Uh, <laughs> I love to watch it. It sounds so much like Delane is vetoing this pick, now, ah. even though it's not really a pick. It was more just left a chance. God, it's Christmas, Nathan. Do you not have a soul? At least have a like a third option, Nathan. You want my third option? I don't think you'll like it. Like, no, I've I don't got... think we want his third option. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess the question I, is, at least how, like a fourteenth option, Nathan. Yeah, be like Brian and give us thirty-five different. Options. Yeah, I would. <laughs> Any one of my like lower form uh, picks would still have been preferable to picking "Come and See" for our December pick, following uh. the trilogy of Wallace and Gromit films. <laughs> uh. Wait, hold on. I'm trying to figure out. Because unlike Nathan, I don't own Criterion, so I don't know how I'm gonna watch this movie. You, you can watch it. It's um. It's, I mean, you might have to rent it for like a few Wait, bucks, but we're still, we're still, oh, yeah, I'm, gl for my I'm glad I have you, to pay for with this. You I can have to are we actually, therapy, Nathan. Are we actually sticking with come and see? Like, this is not like, like Absolutely. this joke, joke's over. We can actually go on with your pick now, right? That's what's yeah. happening. Absolutely. You do have to rent it on Amazon to watch it. I can't believe you did a made it and made us watch. <laughs> Wait, is it on Criterion Channel? God. I wasn't expecting God, silence Nathan. as I found this out. Jesus Christ. We were so close to having such a lovely holiday season. It's a wonderful life. It was a big pick. A good pick. Yeah, it would have been such a good pick. Oh. I told you, two two mindsets at the moment. So we're going with the darker set right now. Well, the we good news like is it is on Criterion Channel. The bad news is it is on Criterion Channel. <laughs> Nathan, I want you to go through It's a Wonderful Life experience where it's like, what if Nathan wasn't born? What our lives would have been like? Been like, oh, we're just watching a nice, fun movie on Christmas so Eve. <laughs> you know, it's a real shame we had to stop doing this podcast after this episode. Yeah, it is a real uh, shame. Yeah, wow. We all had to retire Na so suddenly. Nathan, Nathan, you can kill me now. <laughs> yeah, Nathan, how do you feel knowing that uh, you're going to be doing uh, this next pick is a solo pod? Um, I think he should do that. Actually, that'd be so funny. That <laughs> Just do would, different I voices. Would, 
for the rest of I would of pay that. a rental fee to watch that. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, audiobooks where you have like sound effects in the background going off. This is like, you know, guns and warfare. A Nathan. Commentary I'm gonna pull a on, on this speed. conversation and have no thing to say about this film. Uh, Almost as if I didn't watch it, but like I did watch it because I'm, you know, I have to for the show. It is so sadistic of you to choose a wheel and make us watch. Yeah, that like was really, we were really right brutal. there having a good time. Is this then... still part of the episode? Should I conclude it? Like, should I throw it to the end so we can All deal right. with this ourselves later? Uh, sure. So tune in next month or fucking don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, please, please do. Uh, tune in next. Should we start? Should we like start telling people to like like and subscribe it? I don't know if they'll want to at this point because the next episode not on this come episode. And see. Yeah, we're gonna have to give them a After... couple episodes. After our come and see episode, definitely uh, write a review. Uh, do it like uh, opposite day rules. So like however you really don't feel about what the episode that you just listened gonna, to was like. We're uh, also looking for a new podcast host. Uh, yeah, one of ours yeah, is going to be leaving very hiring. soon. If you are a penguin diamond thief, uh, don't let that discourage you from applying. Here's uh, to paying hosts. <laughs> It would definitely benefit to consult with your team nowadays uh, if you're going to pick a film. Uh, I think we'll be implementing that new rule uh, effective immediately. And uh, without anything else, uh, bye. bye. <laughs> good luck. Mer have a good Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy holidays. Happy holidays.